Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, with the title of this message being Servers Wanted, I'm not even really saying that like we have a sign like that here at the church. I'm not really even saying that, that we would say that about faith assembly, servers wanted. Really, it's more, I would say, what Jesus would say really about every church. It was server was, was being, being a server, and Jesus would kind of reference that across, uh, across everywhere. Um, but if you notice, it seems like every retail store that you go into now, any kind of retail environment at all, um, almost all of them have help wanted signs on the front door. Like people just can't find enough workers. I, I walked into a couple places that said, you know, help wanted, apply now, like interviews right now. You know, like you don't have to set an appointment for interview. You just stroll in there anytime you want to. They're like, yes, we'll interview you. I've seen some places saying hiring bonus. We'll give you $500 hiring bonus just to let us hire you. I'm about ready to go around and just take a bunch of part-time jobs and then just quit right after I get those hiring bonuses. I don't know if it works like that. Just pray for me. I'm going to be rolling in the money. Uh, so yeah, just people can't, they're just trying to get people to, to work. And uh, restaurants are like that too. Um, and it's been going on for a while. After one of the awakened services back in uh, April, I guess it was, Several of us, we were just hungry after the service, and we were uh, going to run and get something to eat. So we started talking about different places, and uh, it was kind of late. And so there weren't a lot of options open. Somebody mentioned something about breakfast, and I am a breakfast-for-dinner person. Any breakfast-for-dinner people in the house? Amen. My people. I thought I felt something happening in this room. Uh, so yeah, somebody mentioned that, and so we decided, we went to IHOP, we were out kind of by the airport, and so we went to IHOP out by the airport, and uh, we walked into that restaurant, and I mean, this one poor girl finally walks up to the little hostess desk, and she, I mean, she is just in despair. She's just, life has just broken her, you know, like, she's looking at us, and uh, she goes, I mean, you can come in and sit down if you want to, but she's like, I'm the only one here. And uh, I'm trying, and there's people there just, you know, everywhere kind of waiting for food and waiting for stuff. I, there probably was a cook, but she was the only server, the only hostess. I mean, she was kind of doing it all. And she's like, I mean, it's going to be a long time before I could even get to you or, you know, we get the food out to you. So, I mean, you can do what you want. And so we decided not to because we didn't want to make it an all-night thing. We went to Wawa instead. I don't know why I'm giving all these restaurants uh, free advertising. Ain't nobody paying me nothing for any of these, but... So I almost left her. I, I didn't have any cash on me. I wanted to leave her a tip even though we weren't even, we weren't even there because here, here she was there trying and she said no one else showed up tonight. She was the only one that, that, that showed up. And so I've seen it happen, not just there, but several restaurants. I mean, a lot of restaurants I've been to. Entire sections of the restaurant closed. They can't serve people, not because of a shortage of food. If you talk to the manager of these restaurants or the owners of these restaurants, you say, well, what's the deal? We're having a very difficult time feeding people. And we go, is it a shortage of food? And they would say, no, it's actually a shortage of servers. 
I hope that would never be said about us. I hope that would never be said about the church of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, there's no shortage of food. There's no shortage of the word of God for hungry souls who are dying for the, the, the sustenance of the word of God. I hope it wouldn't be said that, that we, we can't feed people because of a shortage of servers. Now that's how important serving is. When we say servers wanted, this is, this is really Jesus' idea that, 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 that serving would be so important. And in Luke chapter 22, we see Jesus talking about um, what it means to be a server. We pick it up in verse 26, and he says, among you, it will be different. I could probably pause and just preach that sentence the rest of the service. Among you, it will be different. How many knows that in the church it's supposed to be different? Like we're not supposed to be like everybody else. Among you, it will be different. You don't talk like everybody else. You don't act like everybody else. You don't live like everybody else. You don't date like everybody else. Among you, it will be different. And we don't serve like everybody else either. Jesus is laying this juxtaposition because he's, he's saying like, you know how out in the world it's all about Who's important? It's all about who's at the top of the social chain. It's all about who walks into the room and gets to sit in the most, uh, the highest places. He says, that's how it is out there. But he says, among you, it'll be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like the servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves him? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course, he's saying out there, that's how it is, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Jesus placing this premium on one who serves. And, and I get that somebody in the room may be going, maybe you were here the last couple of weeks and you're like, okay, so you were saying we gotta connect and be in connect groups. You're talking about we gotta grow and be in grow, grow classes and now you're saying serve. Like which is it? Like which, which one is it that I'm supposed to do? And I think our answer would just be this. Yes. Yes. And you know what? These things don't even compete with one another. Matter of fact, they complement one another. That's what the church does. When we connect with one another and we start to grow in our faith, you know what's gonna come from that? We're just gonna start to serve. It's just gonna come out of us naturally as we grow and as we connect and we're sharpened by spending some time with one another. That's, that's natural. These things don't even compete with one another. That's what the church is. And Paul writes uh, a letter to a church in Thessalonica. And uh, as he writes this letter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we'll start right there at the beginning of the letter. And he, he addresses the letter, who it's kind of from, it's from him, but he's also with Silas and Timothy. So he says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And then he says this, to the church of the Thessalonians and God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pause right there. Because it's unique in this epistle that he says, to the church of the Thessalonians. See, in his epistle to the Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, a lot of times in those books, he would start them out by saying, well, to the saints there, or to the faithful there. But here in Thessalonica, he talks about them being a church. He talks about that because these people had come together and they had realized that they could accomplish more together than they could separately. Listen, you can go do some things for God and it'll be good. You can go do some things for God on your own, but how many know this? When we come together and do it together, God multiplies our efforts and we're able to accomplish way more together than we could by ourselves. Amen. Thank you for that. 
that resounding applause of support. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. It's all good. No, so he says to the church, he brings out that they're a, they're a church, and he says, grace and peace to you. Verse 2. He says, we always thank God for all of you and continue to mention you in our prayers. And I would just echo that. I know our great lead pastors, Pastor Carl and Alice, pray for you all the time. Our entire pastoral team. With this, this would kind of be our, we could say this, the same thing that Paul's saying to that church. We could easily say the same thing. We always thank God for all of you. And we continually mention you in our prayers. And then Paul gets specific. He says, we remember before our God and Father. And he starts to say what stands out to him about this church in Thessalonica. He says, this is the distinction. This is what I think about when I think of you guys. And he says, I think about your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chose you. Oh, I love those distinctions. What was it about the church of Thessalonica that stood out to Paul? It was really their service. It was their, it was their commitment to serve and to be involved in, in the ministry and to, to see the kingdom of God advanced. That's, that's what was, was, was important in that church. That's what Jesus is saying is important and what's needed in, in our church, in every church. So, so as we look at that kind of leaders, that kind of servers that would be wanted, it would be this. It would be like, like in that church. First of all, it would be this. Those who have work produced by faith. Those who have work produced by faith. And I just want you to notice that it's not works, plural, produced by faith. I think when I read that many times, I just all kind of on my own just put an S on the end of the word work and just read it like works produced by faith. And so I'll do this sometimes and I'll run over here and I'll do this and then if I get time, I'll do this and those will be my works produced by faith. But he says singular, singular work produced by faith. It's just a one continual work that flows out of our life of faith. It's just the action of faith. It's the doing of faith. It's something that just automatically accompanies us when we have faith in Jesus. I guess you could say it this way. We are not saved by faith plus works. And I think somebody needs to hear that. We're not saved by place by we're not saved by faith plus works. We're saved by faith that works. Like it's, it's really the sign that faith has happened. That's really how Paul knows that these Christians have been called by God and answered the call to be chosen by God is he's seen that there has been a change in their life. It's that way. Whom God chooses, he changes. And it's always been that way. When God calls you, there will be a change in your life. When you take faith into Jesus, it's gonna change the way you live. It's gonna change your do. It's going to change your action. I guess I saw a change like that in my life. I can think back, um, a real radical change in my life when my kids were like toddlers. And up until that time, um, I'll just be honest, when it came time to eat a meal or have food there before me, I was not a big fan of, of sharing food. As a matter of fact, I didn't like it at all. And uh, uh, it didn't matter who was asking. Matter of fact, let me... 
I just feel like I could, I could help some, some people right now. So let me just, can I just do a little marital counseling right now? Is it okay? We do some marital counseling. I know we're not in a series about marriage and relationships, but I'm fixing to help some marriages. All right, I have some advice mostly to the wives. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix some marriages, but I'm gonna just do it through the wives. Here we go. Wives, here's my marriage advice for the day. Wives, order your own food. Amen. That's gonna help so many marriages right now. I just felt there's such a, a heaviness that has been lifted off of so many husbands. Uh, they're just nodding with me. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about the wives, like just wanting to share food all the time. I learned that early on in my marriage. We'd be going through a drive-thru, we'd be like, what do you want? And my wife would be like, oh, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna have anything. And in my head, I'm thinking, you are gonna have something, though. I know what you're gonna have. You don't want some french fries? No, that's okay. I'd say, okay. And I'd be like, all right, there are two orders of French fries. They're both for me, honey. It's all right. And then I know what's going to happen. Same with a, a Diet Coke. I like to get a Diet Coke, uh, you know, I don't know, just two or three an hour, something like that, however I, I can. But I like a Diet Coke sometimes. And so sometimes I'll say to my wife, do you want to get one? She'll no, that's all right. And uh, I know what's going to happen. She'll, she gets so thirsty when she sees my Diet Coke. It's not, she's not thirsty until she sees. And she'll start drinking it without even realizing she's drinking it. She'll just be, it'll just be there. She's reaching down, just, just not even thirsty anymore. And still, and I'm seeing it just getting more and more loving as it happens. You know, like <laughs> something like that. So I, don't know what it, so I don't know what it is. I never liked to share. And then something happened. When my kids were toddlers, maybe even, maybe even before the age when you would even order them a kid's uh, meal because they're too small to even just eat a full kid's meal or something like that. But I can remember my kids when they were toddlers be sitting on my lap and they would point to something on my plate. And I guess I didn't even think about it and I would start to hand them maybe a little piece of the, whatever food was on my plate. And I remember there was one time I was just kind of sitting there doing that and it just hit me that I wasn't minding sharing my food. Matter of fact, I was kind of liking to share my food. It was kind of like, I guess because I was in a different role, I guess I kind of enjoyed the fact that I could, I could be there for this child in this way and, and give this child some of my food. And it didn't even, it didn't even bother me. It was, it was amazing. I guess my, my identity had changed and my change of identity had now affected my activity. And that's what Paul is saying about this church. He said, I love that when God came in and changed your life, he not only changed your life, but he changed your work. He changed your do. He changed your action. This is what it means to have faith in God. A, a, a work produced by faith. And let me say it this way. It's not, Paul's not saying, I noticed that you guys had a work produced by need, a work produced by perceived need, because sometimes that's how we do it. And we talk about pray, give, give me God, give me eyes to see a need around me, and that's true, we should. But that's not why we work. We don't work because of a, a perceived need. This work is produced by faith. Let me tell you about a study that I read about, and what they did is they did a, a tug of war with some people. And everybody likes a good tug of war. But they took uh, three people on each team. They wired them up to all kinds of different metrics and meters and measuring their muscles and their strain and the effort. And they put three on three and they did a tug of war. And what they found is the person in the tug of war, the average um, exertion expended was 85% of their potential energy 
that's what they used in the tug of war, three on three, 85% of, of their uh, potential is what each individual used. Then instead of three on three, they made it eight on eight. Still even, right? Eight on eight, measuring all the participants the same way. And instead of 85% of their potential energy being used now at eight on eight, it went all the way down to 49% of their potential energy used at eight on eight. It's still even. I mean, it still could be, you could go, hey, give it all, like you want your team to win. But instead, 85%, when there was three people on the team, when there's eight people on the team, I only gave 49%. What does that say? Like, what does that say for us? Like, as we look around our church, as we look across our campuses, it's easy to go, well, there's, I mean, there's plenty of people on this team. There's plenty of people around to serve. Like, I mean, if I don't reach my potential, it's not going to hold us down because somebody's going to step in. Listen, this is not a work produced by perceived need. This is a work produced by faith. And so if you're in the building, if you're on the team, like if you're in the fam here and you go, no, God, I have faith in Jesus, that means there's going to be work that flows out of that. And that means God's got something for you. God has a place for you on a team. It says, Paul's talking about this great church. He says, I, I think about your work produced by faith. And then he says, I think about your labor prompted by love. Your labor prompted by love. And I would love to tell you that this word labor just means kind of like fun stuff. It's just labor prompted by love. And by labor, he just means, you know, easy stuff. And just, you know, you smile all the way through. Everything's it's just, you know, nothing too difficult. But that's not what that word means here. It's actually the word in the Greek implies toil. Labor implies toil. It implies a manual labor, a, a great effort expended. It's rolling up the sleeves and it's doing something. And he said, I have found this about you, that you have a labor, that you're willing to do something. You're willing to work at it. You're willing to sweat. And it's because you love. You've heard people say it before. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. That's kind of what Paul's referencing. You love our Savior so much that I've seen this labor coming out of your life because of it. And it's important that you understand something. When we talk about this labor of love, we are laboring because we love. We are not laboring to be loved. Oh, I need somebody in the house to catch this because some of us have fallen in the trap where we labor to be loved instead of laboring because we love. When I labor to be loved, it's manipulation. And I can get caught in this trap where I'm just constantly doing things so that somebody will notice me, so that somebody will say something to me, so that I get an accolade, so that I get a pat on the back, and then God help me if I labor for a minute and I don't get the pat on the back, and I don't, don't get noticed, and now all of a sudden I'm getting mad, I'm getting bitter, and I'm sitting here doing this work for God, and I'm mad the whole time because nobody knows what I'm doing. What happened to me? I got caught up in laboring to be loved instead of laboring because I love. I mean, Jesus said something that's, I hope you're sitting down for this. I see that most of you are. Amen. But I'm getting ready to tell you some, something that Jesus said about labor that is heavy. I mean, like I read this. I was like, okay, Jesus, go then. I mean, I, I guess so. Um, I, I was venture to say that some of you have not heard this verse like this, uh, and it was, it's in red, it's Jesus talking. All right, here we go. This is Jesus on management, here we go. When a servant, this is Luke, uh, I'm sorry, this is Luke 17, seven through 10. Jesus says, when a servant comes in from plowing 
or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? Pause right there. We go, yeah, he should. I read this management book that managers should eat with their employees. And it's the, so yes, he should say, come in and eat with me. Is, Jesus goes, is that how it goes? And Jesus goes, no. He says instead, instead of come eat with me, he says, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's, that's heavy. That's keep, he keeps going. He doesn't even stop there. He says, then you can eat later. Now, does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? And we pause and go, that would be awesome. Yes, thank you for your service. Thank you for taking care of my sheep. And thank you for working. And thank you for making me dinner. That would be awesome. Does the, does the master thank the servant for doing what he's told to do? Jesus goes, of course not. Jesus doesn't even say no on that one. He just fills out, of course not. In the same way, the same kind of dynamic, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Now that's a heavy, that's a heavy statement, but I tend to think that Jesus is putting that out there for us so that we don't get caught in the trap of laboring to be loved. Because he's like, no, 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 it's not, about, it's not about who knows. It's not about how many thank yous you get. It's not about how many pats on the back you get. It's not about how many people even notice. Jesus is going, you know what? I'm worthy of anything that you could ever do for me. And it's true, he is. That's what labor of love, and when we love him, that's the kind of, that's the kind of labor we're gonna, we're gonna move into in our life. There are so many people around here that have tapped into this. There's so many people who serve so many different ways around here. I, I, it would be awesome if we could mention every single of our people that serve and volunteer to help these, these weekend services and midweek services and outreaches and ministries that go on all the time. I mean, all of these things that we're doing, these are opportunities. We're hosting kingdom events. We are representing the kingdom of God. We're, we're trying to represent the kingdom of God well so that when people come in and they're not yet um, they, they don't yet serve God. They come in and they're just overwhelmed with the presence of God and they find Christ. And we could not do these without these hundreds and hundreds of team members, team leaders that make all these ministries happen. And I can't mention and thank them all, but is it okay if we just mention a couple of them? Is it okay if we do that, if we just kind of mention and highlight just a couple of the people that serve? Let me just talk about Mike and Tammy Bennett. Mike and Tammy Bennett serve in our uh, bookstore. Uh, a couple years back, Tammy inquired about helping and volunteering there because she liked to read, and so she jumped in, and there was such a great need there. She recruited her husband, uh, Mike, to be involved as well, and uh, he's an engineer, so they started serving faithfully. Big smile on their face every time they're in the bookstore helping and serving, and uh, they were enjoying it so much, their daughter Amelia kind of took note of it, so she jumped in there about a year ago and started helping. She's uh, uh, going for a master's degree in computer science, but she serves there in the bookstore as well. As well. Let me talk about Emmy Rodriguez and Elodie Germain. Emmy and Elodie, uh, they serve at our Redbug campus, and Emmy is a, a leader in our high school ministry, so she, our, at the Redbug, the youth ministry is here on Wednesday nights, and so she's over here pouring her life into students, and when she's not on the weekends, she's at Redbug doing the same thing uh, helping with, with student ministry there, monthly services over there. She's been involved in so many. She's been involved in over 50 outreaches, both here and at the Redbug Lake Campus. Elodie, uh, let me talk, talk to you about Elodie, who also serves at Redbug. 
Um, she is a, a, a huge part of the ministry that happens there. Every Sunday morning, she gets to church early. She gets there at 8. Service starts at 9. When she arrives on Sunday morning, she starts setting up tables, and she gets the leaf blower and blows all of the stuff and the entrances so that they'll be clear and open. She's setting up, cleaning out the uh, lobby, making everything look great. Um, she goes and stands outside on the welcome team in the Florida heat, welcoming people in, into, into service. And uh, you go, is it easy for her? Well, actually, she lives in Kissimmee, so she drives 45 minutes to get to church early to clear out the way, to open the way, to make the way straight for people to come in and experience who Jesus is. I'm talking about Reese. Reese Poe serves. Uh, he's served for five years. He's got a little fan club, as you can tell. No, uh, now, Reese is an incredibly gifted videographer, and he just donates and gives so much of his time doing that and just chronicles what God's doing around here in a lot of different services. We're able to put those, uh, that content on, on social media, and it just brags on what God is doing around here. People just see it, and you just can't deny what God is doing because it's right there. It's visual. And he's been serving in this capacity just humbly and faithfully for over five years. He Reese is also a, um, a growth class teacher, and God has just been using him in, in a great way. He's been so faithful, so important. Let me talk about Amy and Alan Sobleski. And uh, I would mention, amen, I would mention, uh, I would mention the ministries that they're involved in or the, the, the service they're involved in. It'd probably be easier to try to list the ones they're not involved in. They just, they just across the board have been so involved in, in so many different areas. Matter of fact, I think Alan is on with the team right now in Louisiana. Uh, Amy serves... Uh, in all kinds of different ways, has served in our youth ministry for years, serves in all the different outreaches. I mean, just basically anytime anything ever needs to happen, they're just, they're just one of these people that, that are willing to do it and be involved in it and doing it with, uh, most of the time, their whole crew and the whole, the whole family. Let me talk about one more couple, Johnny and Connie Matthews. Um, Connie was uh, up here helping us lead worship a few moments ago, but they've been serving here for decades, I mean, in a variety of, of platforms, as, uh, as board members, as Sunday school teachers, as marital counselors, uh, uh, and uh, serving now in our senior, leading our seniors Bible study, and just year after year, faithful service. And you go, well, why are these people able to do that? Is it because their life is easy? It's because they have a bunch of time on their hands? Is it because they don't have a lot of problems? No, that's not the case. These, these people that we're talking about, they, they got the family going on too. They got family members everywhere, right? They got jobs. They got all kinds of things happening. They got good days and they got bad days and they sometimes have gains in their life. And these, some of these have had losses and have to grieve through situations, but yet they still find a way to serve. And do you know why? It's not because of an easy life. It's because they, it's because they have found endurance that's inspired by hope. That's the other thing that Paul notices about this church in Thessalonica. He says, oh, you know what stands out to me is your endurance inspired by hope. See, when you serve, it's not that when you serve, you just have to find a way to have life be easy so that you can serve. It's like this. When you start to have hope, when you start to have an eternal mindset, like, like that's why this call is there. It's eternal. 
This is, a, this is an eternal concept we're talking This is not temporal stuff. And when you start to have that eternal mindset, there is an endurance that's inspired by hope. So the temporal things that come and go and the different things that happen, those can happen and that's not gonna affect me in the long run because the temporal things, I know they're gonna come and go, but I'm focused on the eternal. I'm focused on hope. That can get me through something. I mean, I would love to say that the day you sign up for a serve team, everything's just going to be easy. The counter's going to be clear. You're going to have nothing but time on your hands. But I'll say it this way. You might sign up for a serve team the very first time you've ever done it. And man, I'll, be so, I'll just be so excited for you. And you'll love it. You might sign up for a serve team, but you know what might happen? Your boss might call you to in on Monday morning after you sign up for a serve team today. And he may say, hey, by the way, I need you to work overtime every day for the next six months, so get used to it, all right? Like, that might happen, and then you gotta make a decision, or maybe, maybe something else. Maybe something's gonna start breaking around the house, and now you gotta spend all this time fixing stuff at the house, and here, now I don't even know if I have time to do this, because the devil will do whatever he can to keep you from being involved in advancing the kingdom. He's gonna do everything he can to keep you from reaching your potential, and when that stuff starts to happen, those that have a hope, those that have their minds set on eternity and not the temporal, they're just going to keep right on going. We may think that we like need endurance to serve, but the truth is that you get endurance when you serve. I love when science kind of starts to come along and back up and support what the Bible said all along. And there's been all these studies about people who volunteer, all these studies about people who, who serve. And listen, ministry and service, it should take you up. It shouldn't burn you out. If, you, if you're looking at this like, well, if I start serving, it's going to burn me out. No, ministry should not take you out. Ministry should take you up. We are not using people to accomplish ministry around here. You know what we're doing? We're, we're building people by using ministry to do it. That's what we're doing. That's what's happening around here. And look what ministry, look what involvement, look what service does to us. Research has shown that volunteers show an improved ability to manage stress, stave off disease, as well as reduced rates of depression and an increased sense of life satisfaction when they were performed on a regular basis. Volunteering alleviates loneliness. Oh, come on. You walk around being lonely, start getting on a team. It alleviates loneliness, enhances our social lives, factors that can significantly affect our long-term health. Volunteering may help you live longer. Oh, come on. I got that right there. I'm getting ready to offer you some teams to sign up for just so you can have a longer life. That's all. No big deal. An analysis of data from the long Longitude, longitudinal study of aging found that individuals who volunteer have lower mortality rates than those who do not. In addition, several studies have shown that volunteers with chronic or serious illness, I love this one. Let me, let me hear this. Studies have shown volunteers with chronic or serious illness, they experience declines in pain intensity and depression when serving as peer volunteers for others who also suffer from similar chronic pain. It's like this, like I could be suffering with whatever chronic pain and it's, it's really affecting my life, but I go, I wanna talk and help some other people who are going through a similar thing that I am currently going through. And as I start to serve those people with the same thing that I'm currently going through, my pain goes down because I'm serving somebody else. Wow, God's good. 
One report says that people who volunteer over 100 hours a year are some of the healthiest people in the United States. One team of sociologists tracked 2,000 people over a five-year period and found that Americans who describe themselves as very happy, so they're following these 2,000 people over five years, and then they're asking them categories, where do you land? Not happy, sort of happy, medium happy, okay happy, very happy. And then they took the people in the very happy column, found out that those people average volunteered 5.8 hours per month. By measuring hormones and brain activity, researchers have discovered that being helpful to others delivers immense pleasure. Human beings are hardwired to give to others, and the more we give, the happier we feel. Oh, I like when science comes along and supports what the Bible already said. See, we are wired for this. God put you on the planet, and that's God's purpose on your life. We're wired to discover our purpose. We just want to know that at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the year, what we've done has mattered. And I could get paid a whole lot of money for doing something. And how many know this? There's a lot of rich people out there that don't feel any purpose in their life. There's going to be somebody potentially at this altar today who's praying with somebody, maybe has a conversation with somebody, and walks away knowing that God has used them to speak life into somebody who needed it. They may have had a great week professionally, but this is gonna be the moment that they go, thank you God that I did something that mattered. Find your purpose and you'll do life in a better way. All right, so, so Pastor Johnny, what you, let, me, let me get this right. So what you're saying is that we should really be focusing on, on work, we should be focusing on labor, and we should be focusing on endurance. Like you're saying, those are the targets, right? So we're going we're gonna to make that our target. We're going to set our target on, on working hard and doing a lot of work. And we're going to set our target on labor. I mean, rolling up our sleeves and hard manual labor. And we're going to focus on endurance. And if that's kind of what you set your targets at as a result of, of what I've said, let me, let me back up just a little bit because maybe, maybe I went a little bit wrong along the way. I'm not saying that we set our target on work and labor and endurance. As a matter of fact, let me, let me tell you this story. Back in 2004, the Olympics in Athens, um, there was an Olympian there named Matt Emmons. He is one of the most uh, pro prolific rifle uh, competition, rifle um, participants in, in U.S. rifle history, um, multiple-time Olympian, multiple uh, medal winner, uh, multiple national championship. Um, and in the 2004 Olympics, he'd already won a gold medal in one of the uh, events. Now he was in an event that was a three-shot event. You would shoot once from lying down, you'd shoot once from your knee, and then once standing. Well, the first two rounds had gone extremely well for him, and he had a considerable lead. Matter of fact, all he had to do was just hit the target anywhere, and he was guaranteed a gold medal. And he gets to that third and final shot, and he takes aim, and he pulls the trigger, and bullseye. But nothing happens. Normally, a computer would sound that would be registering that shot, and there was no computer that, that made this, the sound. And so Matt Emmons turns around and looks, and, and then uh, the, the, the judge is over there, and he kind of shrugs as well. And they're looking and seeing what's going on, and they start looking back at the target and someone steps up to the target that gets a closer look and they realize, oh wait, yeah, he did hit a bullseye. But then they realize something, that he'd hit the bullseye, but it was on the wrong target. 
inadvertently he had actually lined up that, a, a target that was outside of his lane. It wasn't his target. It was the wrong target. And because he'd hit the wrong target, he goes from winning a gold medal, drops down to eighth place. Such a danger for us to have our lives set on the wrong target. If you thought I was saying that our target is to work, our target is to labor, our target is endurance. No, those aren't our targets. You know what our targets are? Our target is faith. Because where there's faith, oh, work's gonna flow out of that. You know where our target is? Our target is love. I just want you to love Jesus so much that there's a labor that just starts flowing out of your life. You know what our target is? It's hope. Set your hope fully on him and you'll endure through whatever you gotta endure through. Whatever God sees fit to let us walk through, we're gonna walk through it because our target is not even set on endurance. Our target is set on hope. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, all oh, these things will last forever. These things are not going anywhere. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. We get that, we're gonna be servers. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.